Your top stories on Blitz this hour. The waiting's almost over for the Springboks to face the British and Irish Lions. The Olympic opening ceremony lights up Tokyo. Sri Lanka ease past India in the third and final ODI. All the golfing action from around the world. And Kroenewerken captures his second stage win in the Tour de Wallonie. For the 14th time in history, a touring party in the form of a rugby team consisting of a combination of England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland natives has graced South African shores. The British and Irish Lions Tour is one steeped in history, with the first one taking place in 1891. It's not a journey for the faint-hearted, as in the previous 13 voyages that have played themselves out on South African shores over the last 130 years. The visiting side have only merged series winners on four occasions, with the 1955 visit ending in a sailmate. 46 matches have been played between the sides, with the British and Irish Lions winners in 17 of those clashes. South Africa has claimed a victory on 23 occasions, while six matches have ended in stalemates. The 2021 tour has been like no other, with the COVID-19 pandemic almost bringing it to its knees on several occasions. But the fighting spirit of this traditional rivalry burns deep, and the sensational return of the touring captain Alan Wynne-Jones is perhaps the ultimate manifestation of that warrior element of this tour. And now, the real fireworks are set to go off on the 24th of July at the Cape Town Stadium, as the best in the world take on the best to come out of the United Kingdom. It is the third time the Lions descend on the Rainbow Nation with the Springboks as world champions. In 1997, the Vistas won the first three tests to claim the Series 3-1, while in 2009, it was South Africa who sealed the series with a game to spare. The 2021 edition is a tour of many firsts. It will be the first time the teams lock horns with no spectators in the stadiums. And perhaps more significantly, it will be the first time all the test matches are played at a single venue, with Cape Town Stadium chosen to be the battleground. Twelve games have been played in the Mother City since the series' inception. Of those, the Lions have won four, while the hosts have been victorious on the other eight occasions. But a closer look at the history books will favor the tourists as they claim victory in the last match to be played at the most southern tip of Africa all of 24 years ago. As a rugby player, you want to be at your best at the pinnacle and I have a lot of respect for British Lions Lions too and it is playing at the pinnacle. You only get, if you're lucky, you know, once in a career opportunity. There's some test centurions that have never ever got the privilege of playing against the British Lions Lions. Wow, what a special moment. And for me, you know, looking at why the Lions are still around, why it is so special, you've got to go back to the history the legacy, the traditions, the moments that have come through. People only sometimes see the on-field stuff, which yes, that's paramount to the success of a tour. But I go back and reflect on 2009 and the legacy that the Lions leave off the field. The Lions going into rural areas within South Africa, donating kit building change rooms, building rugby fields, um, that goes much further than just the rugby. I think those legacy elements is something we don't get to experience. So it's so much more than just the rugby. And I think sometimes people forget that. And I sort of look at that clip and running out at Loftus, you run out in a ground that you're synonymous with, that you're comfortable in, in your home country. 
and there's this massive sea of red. And Loftus Fersfeld awash with the colourful South African flag. You never get to experience that anywhere in the world at any given stage in your own environment. And that tests you on a different level to anything else you experience in your rugby career. So the rugby's great, but the legacy, the history, the tradition, um, getting the opportunity to play and test yourself against the best players in the Northern Hemisphere, it's a pretty unique experience. And Stephen Jones gets us underway in Pretoria. That field is underneath it. I still, without a doubt, believe that that collision between Donny Rousseau and Brian Driscoll in that previous phase of play made Brian Driscoll make a poor decision. Oh dear, oh dear. Smash on heads. Brian O'Driscoll very quickly up. Was it too quick? Yeah. That's the question. Space for Faridu Priya. Oh, Habana! Executed. I get the credit, but it's not just me. It's a whole string of events that, that leads to that. Knowing that you had 23 meters to make a difference, to bring your team into a position where we could then continue momentum. And, but it was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie to you. You are destined for a time like this at certain points. And I really do believe that Mornay Stein was destined to be in that swim of side at that point to do what he did. When it's all said and done, memories are all we have. I can't think of a better memory than Loftus in 2009, being a part of a squad of absolute legends and being grateful to be privileged enough to be in that position. And yes, the harder you work, the luckier you get, Gary Player says, but we all need support. And it wasn't just us on the field, it was so much more than just us on the field. And to then celebrate that and have that with you for the rest of your life, that no one can ever take away from you, I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty special. Just quite extraordinary scenes at Loftus. Absolute jubilation though in the Pretoria crowd. The British and Irish Lions will take on the Springboks in the first of three test matches this weekend. You can catch the action live on Supersport. While the Olympic Games officially began earlier this week, the festivities kicked off properly on Friday, with the opening ceremony taking to the Japan National Stadium in Tokyo. While the stands were virtually empty, save for some dignitaries, it was a different story on the floor as performers delivered a show for the ages to kickstart the Games in a fashion unique to Japan. Then followed the eagerly awaited parade of nations and, as is custom, Greece was first out into the arena in recognition of the country's founding role in the Olympics. Countries entered in order of the Japanese alphabet, meaning Africa's most successful nation at the Summer Olympics, Kenya, was 66th to emerge as they looked to add to their total haul of 103 medals. South Africa's competitors were 178th in the queue and were eventually led out by their flag bearers, hockey star Pumalela Mbanda and 2012 Olympic gold medalist Chad Leclerc, as described by Supersport's very own Dwayne De Locker. One of the few men to have beaten Michael Phelps in the pool, the greatest Olympian of them all. Michael Phelps, 28-time medalist. Chad Leclerc is South Africa's most decorated medalist, and he carries the flag alongside Pumile Lembande, the goalkeeper for South Africa's women's hockey team, a nation that comprises several athletes, 181 in total in uh, Tokyo. And they, uh, 
country that has won medals at every Games for its Olympic debut in St. Louis in 1904. They have Akani Simbini, among the fastest men in the world over 100 meters. He's just smashed the African record and hopes to claim a podium place here in Tokyo. Following the official address from IOC President Thomas Bach, it was time for the lighting of the Olympic flame. And that honor fell to Japan's four-time Grand Slam champion, Naomi Osaka. Thousands will ascend Fuji, the volcanic cone, in the early morning hours to fulfill personal ambitions and perhaps catch a majestic sunrise. 130 kilometers away, Olympians will attempt to conquer their own metaphorical mountains and aspire to realize their respective Olympic dreams. New Zealand's All Black Sevens team is seeking redemption in Tokyo after being shut out of any medal at the 2016 Olympics in Rio five years ago. Only 12 teams are in the field for the tournament and coach Clark Laidlaw expects his team to fare far better this time around but believes that the competition will produce a surprise or two. I just think it's exciting. You know, I've, I've been involved in rugby teams where people don't expect you to win because you're not very good. And that's not actually that enjoyable. <laughs> so you're right, the expectation's always there for New Zealand to, to do well in sport. You know, we've got some amazing athletes at these Olympics, not only in rugby. Um, as I say, row and cycle, you can go through all the sports. Um, the expectation to do well is there for all of us. So it's something we're really enjoying, that expectation. When you look at the men's sevens, any team can win it. You know, I think that's the beauty of, of the World Series and, and men's sevens now is when you've only got 12 teams, not 16, it becomes hugely competitive. And I think Japan um, are right up there. Playing at home will be a huge advantage for them. It may have only been the first day of competition, but Anne San has already lit up the women's individual archery at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. The South Koreans set a new Olympic record with a score of 680 during the qualifying rounds in Yumenushima and beat the previous best of 673 set by Ukraine's Lina Harisimenko at the 1996 Games in Atlanta. Anne and her compatriots dominated the day. Jang Min-hee took second place while Kang Che Young took third. Qualification for the trio has been secured for Thursday's final. With the series already in the bag, India named five debutants and made six changes to the 11 that won the second game against Sri Lanka. 
Indian skipper Shikhar Dawan elected to bat after winning the toss in Colombo and opened with Prithvi Shaw. The opening pair put together 28 before the skipper was sent packing by Dushmantha Chamira. In-step debutant Sanju Sampson and alongside Shaw managed to put together a second wicket stand of 84 runs, each batter as aggressive as the other in taking the fight to the Sri Lankan attack. One short of the half-century mark, Shaw misjudged the Shanaka delivery, trapped LBW for 49. Nerves may have gotten the better of Sampson with the 50-run milestone approaching, losing his wicket to Praveen Jayawikarama. A rain interruption shortened the match by three overs aside and upon resumption, Sri Lanka continued to unsettle the Indian batters. Manish Pandey, the next to depart two overs after the restart. Hardik Pandya huffed and puffed in his 19 of 17 before being given out after a review for LBW. Jayawik Rama bagging a third. It sparked the start of a major collapse by the Indian batting order. Just one boundary was hit for the rest of the innings while they lost their remaining five wickets in the space of 12 overs and recorded just 35 runs during that time as the visitors were dismissed for 225. Sri Lanka's chase started similarly to the top of the Indian innings. 35 runs on the board when they lost their first wicket, but Banuka Rajapaksa and Avishka Fernando amassed a second wicket stand that put the Lions on course for victory, a 109-run partnership of 105 balls. The latter was first to get to 50, a fifth ODI half-ton for the Lankan opener. For Rajapaksa, it was a first. 41 deliveries needed to get there. He would ultimately contribute 65 runs to the century stand. Dananjaya de Silva was in and out for two before Fernando and Charith Asalanka shared a 43-run fourth wicket stand. Asalanka with 24 of 28, the next dismissed, and Shanaka was out for a first ball duck thereafter. The prized wicket of Fernando was captured by Rahul Chahar, but Fernando's 76 runs did enough damage to put Sri Lanka within 10 of victory and more than 10 overs in which to do so. While Chamika Karanuratne was lost along the way, the hosts got some consolation from the series with victory by three wickets via the Duckworth Lewis Stern method. The series dominated by India before Sri Lanka got some consolation on their home patch. India victorious 2-1 in the one-day international series. It was the first outing for the men's teams of Birmingham Phoenix and London Spirit in the newly formed The 100 tournament. The teams locked horns at Edgbaston where London elected to bat first. Opener Josh Inglis and third in Dan Lawrence were sent back to the locker room with less than 20 balls bowled for 10 and 6 runs respectively. Spirit captain Owen Morgan joined opener Zach Crawley at the crease but he too departed for less than 20. This before Joe Denley knocked a quick 30 round partnership with Crawley. He did not stay at the crease for long, just 14 balls but added a valuable 25 runs. His wicket saw Ravi Bopara stride to the middle. The one with Crawley when the opener reached 50 in style. This one might go all the way. I think it will. Finishes the set of five from Imran Tahir with back-to-back -back boundaries and takes Zach Crawley to 50. 51 off 30. 20 balls remaining. It's 117. But Bopara was caught and bowled the fourth out. 
Crawley, the fifth of the penultimate delivery for 64, as Spirit posted 144 for six in their 100 balls. Miles Hammond didn't stay around for too long in the home side's response. The first out for a runner ball five. Finn Allen contributed 11, the second wicket 20 balls in. Liam Livingston then had his captain Moeen Ali with him for a 27 run stand for the third wicket. Ali stayed on though to top score for his side. He hit a 30 ball 40 when he was the fifth wicket to fall. Phoenix needed 47 of 29 balls. With Chris Benjamin in the mood, the task was more than possible. He and Ben Howell took the hosts 23 runs closer in 15 balls. Benjamin lost Howell but stayed for an even quicker 23-run partnership with Chris Cook. Benjamin ended unbeaten on 24 as he helped steer Phoenix to a three-wicket win with three balls to spare. Welsh Fire travelled to Leeds to take on the Northern Superchargers in the men's division of the 100. All the action will be live on Supersport. The Birmingham Phoenix faced the London Spirit in the women's competition of the 100 at Edgebaston. The Spirit won the toss and chose to bowl first and got off to a fairly good start, reducing their opponents to 24 for 2 inside the power play. While Emily Arlett didn't last long, the two Joneses, Eve and Amy, did. The pair put on a terrific partnership of 64 runs before Amy was bowled by Charlotte Dean for 33. Eve was the last wicket to fall, out just three short of a half century, as the Phoenix posted a competitive 128 for six in their 100 balls. While the spirit lost Deandra Danton early, composed innings from Naomi Datani and Captain Heather Knight put the visitors on top. The spirit looked to be cruising to the total before they lost three wickets in the space of five balls, with Arlet playing a starring role. The London Spirit managed to hold their nerve at the death, however, with Amara Carr hitting an unbeaten 11 to guide her side to a three-wicket victory with four balls to spare. The 100 next heads to Trent Bridge. The women's division sees the Trent Rockets take on Southern Brave and you can catch it live on Supersport Cricket. This is day two of the Kazoo Open, supported by Gareth Bale. This is a look at the amateur, Alex Fitzpatrick. This is an eagle attempt here at the 11th, which doesn't quite go in, just needed a bit more pace. He would battle on, and he had this putt here to make the cut. This for a 74, round it comes, plus two. Well done to Alex Fitzpatrick. to two-time winner on the European Tour, Justin Hardin. This is his tee shot, the, the 13th, over the water. A little bit of left to right, landed nice and softly. It would be good enough for a two, and he would finish at five under par after a round of 69. Matt Wallace hasn't had a win for a while. He's had four wins. This was an eagle putt at the 18th. An all-round good putt in the end for a 68. We'll see him head into the third round at seven under. Kawamura from Japan. He played very nice today. That was 63 in the end for Kawamura. Birdie on the final hole. 
And the overnight leader with Nacho Elvira, Vincent Norman. Second here at the 15th, the drivable par four. Excellent stuff. Great touch around the greens. Just a young lad. And this was for a birdie at the final hole. Well done. Excellent stuff. And he would be nine under all on his own. 69 today for Vincent Norman. Now this is the man of the moment. Birdie putt at the 18th. Elvira, 11 under par, 67. Brilliant stuff. And the Spaniard leads by two. It's moving day at the Celtic Manor Resort in Newport. The third round of the Kazoo Open comes to you live on Supersport. Day two of the fifth and final LPGA Major of the Year teed off in France and it was a special second round of the Amandi Evian Championship for Jongian Lee Six. The South Koreans shot a 10 under 61, the joint best round ever at a major. Her compatriot Kim Yo Ju carded the same score en route to the title in 2014. The flawless round of 10 birdies puts Lee Six 15 under overall and top of the leaderboard heading into the third round. Arya Jitanagan is two shots off the pace following a round of 63. She too had a flawless round with six birdies and then finished with this eagle on the par 5 18th. Her fellow type, Pajari Ananarukan, also finished with an eagle on the 18th to occupy second spot with her compatriots following a round of 65. Two dropped shots on the day saw her relinquish her tied first round lead. 2014 champion Kim signed for a 65 and remains in the hunt in a tie for 7th on 7 under. A bit of an up and down round for the South Korean. A bogey and a double bogey was more than made up for by six birdies. 2015 champion Lydia Ko is also in the hunt, tied fourth with joint first round leader Yalimi No. Paul Aretu is South Africa's best in 31st place. Ashley Buhai in 56th also made the cut. Final LPGA Major of the Year resumes right here on your World of Champions. The Amandi Evian Championship will be live on Supersport. Another glorious day for round two at the Stuntingdale Golf Club. Nice temperatures, but a bit more of a breeze made scoring tricky. Nobody told Paul Broadhurst to bud the putt on 18. Down the green, it was slippery right in the middle. 65 for the Englishman. Minus six total. Ernie Els down the right-hand side, a 17 in the rough. Taking the spin off it. And what a shot he played. Judged it almost to perfection. Great skills from the big South African. He would knock that one in. The 67, six under par total. What of the American challenge. Jerry Kelly, his approach to the penultimate hole. Good tee shot, good swing with the second shot. All over the flagstick. He would knock that one in. 66 for him, minus seven. Bernard Langer got off to a fast start. Two shots in the par five to here. Could he start with an eagle? You bet he could. Eagle at number one for Bernard Langer, hunting down 
of the putt at the 13. Across the green in the par three, left to right, uphill, then downhill at the end. Well, I found the cut from distance, and didn't he and the crowd enjoy that? It was 67 and seven under, one behind the leader, Darren Clark. What off Clark? Birdie at 16. Perfectly pin high. Pulled it in the front edge. Nonchalantly done. Get him to seven under and wasn't finished there. Downhill right to left at the last. This for a 67, this for eight under. Darren Clark had the lead on his own in the clubhouse, round two. Don't miss the third round of the Senior Open Championship taking place at Sunningdale Golf Club in Berkshire. The action coming to you live on your World of Champions. Stage four of the Tour de Wallonie saw riders take on 206 kilometers of tar from Neuf Chateau to Fleurieu. Following a hard day out in the hills, which saw the breakaway take almost two hours to get established and race leader Quinn Simmons getting caught in a split, the stage came down to the final climb of the day, the Côte de Petit try, 10 kilometers from the finish line. The sprinters were among a large group of riders who made it back to the front of the race after battling up that climb, ensuring a sprint from a reduced group to the finish. Dylan Kroenewerken went head-to-head -head with Florian Seneschal in the final run to the line before the latter accidentally unclipped from his pedal in the closing meter, which allowed the Dutch cyclist to sprint to victory and collect his second stage win of the race. Don't miss the 183.1-kilometer fifth stage of the Tour de Wallonie. The action coming to you live on your World of Champions.